0: Hi there. In the first run of these 15 podcasts, each episode will be published every Tuesday from Noon GMT. Happy listening. Welcome to Episode 3 of Dowse Your Way to Psychic Power. Previously, I introduced you to health dowsing, the realm of the paranormal and the Alice in Wonderland world of quantum physics. In this episode, we look at some of the practicalities of dowsing. We meet and learn to beat the menace of the cosmic joker. And we start to bond with our dowsing tools. Before we get to the practicalities of dowsing, there are some game-changers which will make all the difference between you becoming a hit-and-miss dowser or a great dowser, and therefore a great psychic practitioner. First. A dowser needs clarity and focus, and has to ask the right questions. It's important to attune yourself before you start to douse, giving yourself time to get in the zone. If your head's full of day-to-day niggles, then you'll not be in the right frame of mind. And you must ask specific questions, which will elicit a yes or a no answer. So, not, which is better for me, tea or coffee, but rather... All things considered, is tea better for my complete being than coffee? Here you ask a question the answer to which is either going to tell you that tea is better for your general well-being or it's not. I can't emphasise this enough. Asking the right question is fundamental to your success as a dowser and therefore as a psychic. You may think this is easy to handle All you have to do is think of the answer you need to know, and the question will follow naturally. Oh, if only it was as easy as that. The annals of dowsing are riddled with examples of the enthusiastic amateur who's brought disaster down on his head by not thinking through what the right question or questions should be. Oh, by the way, when I talk in these podcasts about he or his... I could just as easily be talking about she or her. It's just less clumsy to refer to one gender, but it applies to both. The world of dowsing's just as open to women as men. In fact, overall, I'd guess there are more women dowsers these days than men dowsers. But back to that all-important asking the right question. Here's an example of how not to do it. Your next-door neighbour has heard that you've these strange powers and can find underground water and he's looking for a suitable place to sink a borehole for a new source of drinking water. So he asks you if you would oblige. Flattered at his trust in you, you agree and you pace up and down his large garden and sure enough you get a strong reaction just at the edge of his lawn where it would be a perfect spot for a drilling company to access. Dig here and you'll find water at 30 metres, you confidently declare. After watching your odd antics, wandering up and down his garden holding a forked stick, he's wondering if he's done the right thing asking this oddball to do anything as scientific as locating something you can't see or smell or hear or touch without using all the ground mapping paraphernalia of the Professional Geo Marine Engineering Company. But now that he's asked, he doesn't want the embarrassment of ridiculing your methods, so, persuaded by your confident shrug of the shoulders, he decides to call in the drillers. A month and £10,000 later, the driller announces the good news that they have indeed found a plentiful supply of water. However, the bad news is, it's too salty to drink. That's because when you were searching for a source of underground water, you didn't ask for drinkable water. By not asking the correct question, you, the dowser, have cost your neighbour half his savings and he'll probably never talk to you again. Oh dear. Remember, the information field out there is just like a computer. Rubbish in and rubbish out. It cannot interpret what you meant to ask. It just answers the question... So remember, for results that are terrific, it pays to be specific. Apart from not asking the right question, there are other impediments to successful dowsing. These include dehydration, poor health and something called reversed polarity. So, make sure you've drunk enough water before dowsing and that you feel well. Reversed polarity happens to us all and it changes our yes to a no and vice versa, which is very confusing. You can easily check if this is the case. Before every dowsing session, ask your pendulum a question you know the answer to. Was I born in Brighton, for instance? If you get the wrong answer, then you've probably got reversed polarity. To change back, and I'm not joking here, thump the top of your chest just above the breastbone, three times and cough each time. This is known as the thymus thump. I don't know how, but this method works and you can check if you're back to your old self by asking another question you know the answer to. And by the way, don't forget to detach yourself from the answer, otherwise your ego will decide the answer it wants and that'll be what you get. Another impediment to successful dowsing is a lack of persistence which leads to a loss of confidence. Many potential successful dowsers give up because they're not prepared to put in the time to practice. If you were learning the piano, would you expect to be able to play a Beethoven sonata after a couple of lessons, or even bash out a sing-along tune on the pub piano? Of course you wouldn't. So why should a dowser expect instant success without practice? The final impediment to being a good dowser is being too analytical. Don't fall into that well-known trap, paralysis by analysis. The material world in which we live today has sharpened our analytical senses. But put that aside when dowsing and have faith. Stop thinking about the mechanics of it. No, you can't explain it, but it still works. That's why children are so good at dowsing. They don't question it, they just do it. So, having looked at the game-changers and the impediments, here are some more facts of dowsing life. No dowsing is always 100% accurate. That pianist mentioned earlier will have off days. That paradigm of dowsing excellence, George Applegate, got it wrong once, costing his client £7 million when the drill bit hit a layer of rock that turned out to be impenetrable. Oops! As I said, pretty well anyone can douse, but it takes practice to douse accurately. Good dowsers are not born, they're made. There is no single correct way to douse, Choose the method you're most comfortable with and then get on with it. If you fail and fail and fail, don't give up. It's the cosmic joker who knows you've got potential to be a really good dowser and feels threatened, so he'll sap your confidence at every opportunity. Let's now look at some of the practicalities of dowsing to get you started with a firm understanding of the principles and practice. Remember, there are four dowsing tools from which we can choose in order to get started. The pendulum, the L-rod, the Y-rod, that's the fork stick, and the bobber. Most people find it convenient to start with a pendulum or L-rod, so let's begin there. There's no need to spend any money to own either. You could easily make both with items you'd find around the house. A pendulum is any weight suspended on a cord or thread. It could be a metal nut on a piece of string, a ring on some cotton thread, or an angler's lead weight on a length of gut as long as it hangs evenly and swings comfortably it'll do. A pair of L-Rods can be fashioned out of a metal coat hanger. With a pair of pliers cut both sides of the neck below the twist, straighten out the wire and cut it in two, then bend one end of each at a right angle creating a handle to fit into your fist. The end result should be an L-shaped piece of wire with a shorter bit being what you hold, and the longer length acting as the dowsing antenna. An expensive dowsing tool will not get you better results, but if you prefer to purchase a professionally made one, then the shop on the websites of the British or American Society of Dowsers have plenty to choose from. If you get the chance to join a local dowsing group or attend an introduction to dowsing workshop, you'll be able to learn how to use your dowsing tools in a couple of hours. But if you prefer to go it alone it's perfectly okay. I taught myself to dows with rods and a pendulum and then a year or so later I set up my own dowsing group which clocked up a membership of 60 within a year. And if I can learn to dows, anyone can. Back to the L rods. You're in the privacy of your kitchen where you're looking at a bit of vandalised coat hanger with kinks in it, where the pliers didn't quite manage to straighten it properly, and you're thinking to yourself, what on earth am I playing at? How can an ex-coat hanger possibly be my portal to other dimensions? I must be mad! We experienced dowsers have all been through this self-doubt, It's our left brain trying to intimidate its submissive partner, the right brain, and stop the magic in its tracks. And it's being aided and abetted by someone we're going to meet on a regular basis on our journey, the aforementioned Cosmic Joker. I'll tell you about him later, but at this stage I don't want to get sidetracked. Let's carry on with learning how to use one of the most popular dowsing devices, the L-Rod So, there you are, thinking how bizarre it is that you, a normally sensible, down-to-earth person, are staring at two bits of bent wire which are going to help you find a portal to other worlds. This whole thing's a crackpot situation, you'll be thinking. Maybe it is, but nothing ventured. So, now you've got this far, pick up those rods, get the feel of them, hold them in your fists and point them as a Wyatt Earp might in the gunfight at the OK Corral. Don't hold them too tight. The idea is that your rods should be able to swing inwards to cross over each other or out to form a line. Before you start walking forward keep them almost parallel with the ground except have their noses slightly dipped. Slightly because if you point them too far towards the ground gravity will ensure they won't swing and if you raise them higher than level, they'll flop about. A bit of practice, just holding the rods and walking at the same time is the best thing to do before trying to find something. Once you're comfortable with this, you can now start the important business of building a rapport with your dowsing tool. And this is one of the essentials of successful dowsing. You have to establish a mental bond between you and the rods or pendulum, or Y-rod, or Bobber. It's a bit like driving a car. When you first started learning, you consciously went step by step through the practicalities. Make sure the gear sticks in neutral, switch on the engine, depress the clutch, select first gear, check your mirrors, hands on the steering wheel, let out the clutch, press the accelerator, ease into the traffic flow when it's safe to do so, etc. Everything is a mental effort your left brain is working overtime. But within a short time, as you gain experience, your good old right brain takes over and everything becomes automatic. It's almost as if you and the car are one being. Well, it's the same with dowsing. Once you're at one with your dowsing tool, your unconscious intuition is free to work and the rods will act as an indicator, like the needle on a gauge. It'll tell you, it's here, you found it, or yes, or no, or true, or false. I've heard it said by some dowsers that when they started, they treated their dowsing tool as you might an untrained puppy. You tell it how you want it to behave, and eventually it gets the message. An important part of the process of developing from learner-dowser to experienced practitioner is to shrug off the sabotaging self-ridicule, pick up the rods, practice your moves step by step, establish a firm but fair master-servant relationship and allow your left brain to go off and do something else. If you're confident that you are at one with your dowsing tool, try locating something real. Hold them in what is known as the search position, that is, straight forward, parallel to each other. Say you're looking for where your main drain is in the yard. You walk slowly forward, focusing your mind on pipework under the ground. You have a clear picture of it in your mind's eye. When you cross over the target, your rods should cross. If you continue to walk forwards, they should uncross. If you don't want to go outside in case your neighbours see you and ask awkward questions you're not quite ready to answer yet you can set up a dowsing exercise in your house. Lay down a piece of rope or string across the room and tell your rods to show me the rope. Walk slowly forwards repeating this as a kind of mantra show me the rope, show me the rope. If you're extraordinarily lucky the rods will cross when you reach the rope. A tingle will go down your spine and your jaw will drop. The rods definitely move to their own accord, you'll say to yourself. And you'll be hooked. Dowsing has found another enthusiast. But it's more likely that nothing will happen. Try crossing the rope from the other direction. Keep a picture of it in your mind. And keep repeating the mantra, Show me the rope. Like learning to drive, you're probably over-anxious about doing it right. Are the rods parallel? Am I holding them too tight? Am I walking too fast? This is the left brain barging your friend the right brain out of the way and taking over. Be patient. Keep trying. Relax. Eventually the left brain will get bored and go off for a well-earned rest and your right brain will slip into the driving seat. Then one of the rods might twitch and move slightly. Was it my imagination? Try again. This time the twitch might become a bit of a swivel. Oh congratulations! Your rods have got the message. Keep practicing and rest a bit in between sessions and drink plenty of water. This is another dowsing essential. If your body needs water it won't be able to douse properly. At last our dowsing tool is doing something. What a boost to the confidence. Some seasoned dowsers don't need any tools. They just douse with their hands or their eyes or their arms. But most of us need the reassurance that information is being received and communicated in the way we can perceive it. With that twitch of the L Rod, you've begun your journey to psychic power. With that twitch of the L Rod, we experience the dictionary definition of the word psychic faculties or phenomena that are apparently inexplicable by natural laws. So the psychic in you is already awakening like some inner sleeping beauty, stretching and blinking in the light. Coming up in episode 4, we look at the power of the pendulum, the age-old skill of the forked stick, and we talk with other dimensions. And a reminder, if you feel a bit overwhelmed by all this, don't forget, you can get the same information in my book *Dows Your Way to Psychic Power, which you can find on Amazon. See you at episode 4.